Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Lindsay Webb, who is an Australian comedian and excellent, excellent funny man. Uh, I am sitting with him in the top room in the upstairs of the Rhino Room in Adelaide, which is... The Rhino Room's sort of the heart of Adelaide comedy. When it's not festival time, it still does comedy and it brings people from all around the country and all around the world to do comedy. It's got an upside-down rhino on the roof. I'm not sure if the rhino came first or the name came first, but uh, either way, that's a fact about that venue. Uh, I enjoyed talking to Lindsay. He's got a lot of ideas and his mind works very fast and in very interesting ways. I hope you enjoy listening. Uh, Our word fact for the day is about the word nice. I still haven't got a sting for this section, but the word nice used to mean ignorant or simple, which is a very fringe comedy appropriate fact because the code among comedians for somebody who's a lovely person but isn't necessarily very funny on stage is, oh, he's a really nice guy. And you have to ask sometimes whether they mean nice or nice in the same way as when my brother's best friend who was kosher used to come over when we were kids and would ask for a chicken, lettuce and tomato sandwich. We would ask him if he meant chicken or wink chicken, uh, which was bacon. He loved a BLT, but he wasn't allowed to ask for one. Uh, So that is often, if you're talking to comedians about comedians and you say, oh, are they good? And the person responds with, oh, they're such a nice guy. That can often mean not a nice guy. Or... I mean, it doesn't really mean anything about their niceness or not niceness. It just means not funny. Uh, Which, again, I don't think is necessarily a meaningful distinction. Not funny can mean a lot of things, depending on who's watching. Funny is like uh, vision. It only happens when you have both the light and the eye in the same place. Each audience member is going to find something different, which is what I reassure reassure myself with if somebody doesn't like my show. I know my comedy is not for everybody. If it were for everybody, it would be porridge. And even so, some people are allergic to porridge. (laughs) I don't know. Thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Uh, Thank you, everybody, who's been emailing in again. I will read some emails next week as part of the podcast. AliceRFraser at gmail.com. Again, if you have any questions, tweet me on at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. Lindsay Webb is L-I-N-D-S-W-E-B-B. Linz Webb on Twitter as well if you want to say hi. Bye. See you next week. You're having tea with Alice. Yeah, I love it. It's fancy. It is. Um, so, uh, Hello. Hello. We're not having tea, unfortunately. Oh, no tea. But you're having water, which a is water, like which is a big component, tea. big component of tea. More than ninety percent. There you go. Say. Huh? Isn't it more than ninety percent of people as well? Yeah, yeah. We could fit in this bottle. <laughs> we could. I don't know that that's true. No, I don't anyway. think so. I think if you rung you out, you'd probably be a lot more than that. There's also a tea and water. Yes. So there we go. <laughs> Very good. Very I'm good. I'm having a cup with tea in it. So. Uh, what have you been thinking about recently that's fun? Oh, all sorts of things. Comedy. Comedy's Comedy. fun. Uh, I had to catch the train the other day. Yeah. Do you use public transport? I do. I don't drive. Right, at all. 
No, I can drive. I yes. just don't. Oh, that wasn't a judgment. Just a question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I drive a lot because I live in a sort of regional area. Mm. So I have to drive heaps. But when I travel and tour, I use a lot of public transport. Mm. And I find the price not conducive to everybody using public transport. The amount of times I get on, say, in Sydney, you get on a bus, it's three in the afternoon, there's ten people on it. People don't feel that they can use public transport because it costs like $7 to go from an inner city suburb to the city. I just think that price is excruciatingly high for people that don't have a car or the option of driving or the ability to drive or... Yes, they have concessions for certain things and if you're on the dole it's half price. But even so, I think it's quite expensive. I have, for that very reason, uh, a bike. I borrowed a bike while I'm here in Adelaide. Which is encourageable. Yeah, which is good. Cycling's good. I'm not a great cyclist. Right, so um, you're taking life in your own hands. And because I'm not used to it, I've, I rode in and out like two or three days in a row, yeah. and then today I've caught the bus in right. uh, because the seat is slightly too high, uh-huh. uh, which means that first you, up it's fine because you you're stop. like, you're fine. <laughs> yes. And then after a few days you're like, I don't like this feeling. This can't happen. This is not good. Right, how was this, the bus? The bus was... Uh, $5.10. See? Yeah. $5.10. I think, that's really, I think that's really quite expensive. And I've, I've had this thought before, but I thought it again the other day when I was getting on the train because I, I was in a, you know, half, half, half an hour away from the centre of Adelaide, got on the train, and it's like $4.70 or $4.80. You've got to have the correct money or use a card, and then you've got to validate a ticket. And just that process of take away the cost of it for a moment, the process of what they've had to put in place. They have to have that fancy machine that not only prints a ticket for you that's validatable, you've got to be able to put an FPOS card in that and a whole bunch of uh, coins. It doesn't take notes. Then they've got the validation machines on the pole. I imagine the infrastructure, that's in every carriage, is quite expensive, right? And that's contributing quite heavily to the cost of the ticket. Yes. I've had this thought for a while that transport, public transport, should just be a gold coin donation. Like yeah. everybody that gets on puts either a dollar or two dollars well, into the basket, the turnstile turns, and you get on. As European cities are free public transport. You see, that would be great too. I realise there are heavy costs in Australia, and there is, uh, you know, we have good wages and people get paid well. But I would think. But the people who get paid well are not the people who you're worried about. No, that's not right. No, it's the people that don't have access to proper transport and can't afford the public transport and get stuck in town and then steal your car. Yeah. <laughs> For the sake of not paying a $10 train ticket, that's a real thing that can happen, right? Yeah. So a dollar, a dollar or $2 donation, I would argue that those quiet times would be a lot busier on the buses and the trains and the trams. And then in peak hour, you fairly easily just sort that out by saying we have to register for a peak hour travel card so that you're a person that you know definitely needs to travel. You'll pay that extra fee for your card and then it's still a gold coin donation. Yeah. So I just, you know, I think we go about things in a funny way where they go, oh, there's not enough people using the trains or trams, so we're going to put the price up. Yeah. So then the short amount of people that are using go, oh, it's getting too expensive. I bugger it, I'll drive. And I don't think, I think when public transport becomes a cost that you can outweigh in terms of driving somewhere, and I'll give you an example in a sec, I think that has tilted public transport the wrong direction. I think yeah. it should be the cheapest option. Yes. It should be the slightly annoying option because it stops in more places than you want to stop at. Yes. But it should be a cheaper option than actually bringing your car. Yes. In Brisbane, where I live, if I want to get the train to the airport, it's $27 each way. Yeah, now, airport trains are the right? most rip So it's like, you know, close to $55 return. Yeah. Now, if I want to go just overnight somewhere, like I often do for a gig... I can park in the overnight parking bay for $34. Yes. So even if you throw in the cost of diesel for me to drive my car there, 
I'm still in front from using public transport. I can go at my own time. I can arrive quite close and early and, and spot on the time I want to be there. There is no incentive for me to use public transport, to use that train, right? And if you're with four people, you'll get a cab and it'll cost you the same amount each as it does to go on the train. I just think that's... It's not, not encouraging the right people. Incentives. No, no, not at all. And really, what they're saying is, oh, we just want to make sure that the people that have no other option are paying the highest amount possible. And I think that's, I think that mentality just is quite strange. Yeah, well, I agree. I think that's a problem with almost everything at the moment in society is that you, people are really focused on end of year profits, absolutely, or just profits, uh, mm-hmm. measurable things, and they're not focusing on things that happen two years or three years or any any more than one step immediate result. Sure. It's like uh, shouting at a kid to make it shut up. Yes, a great analogy, which I've tried, to be honest. I'm a parent. I've tried it. It might work in the moment. Oh, it never works. uh, (laughs) What's actually more likely is that you shock the kid into screaming. Absolutely. Or you you bury some deep shit that's going to come back at Christmas (laughs) at you like five years from now. That's True story. That's what's going to happen. And I think it's... And it's not even like it's mysterious, the outcome. No. It's really obvious what's going to happen. It really is. If you're overworking, for example, your employees, they're going to burn out and drop out. They really will. Uh, But you do it because that's... Yeah, for sure. I find that we've... We have become a, a society of a very much a taking society, especially in, you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a corporation basher, but I see that they, they're always after profit. They keep announcing these massive profits, these enormous profits. Then they announce that there's more staff being put off and they've got a bigger profit. It's like, really, at well, what cost eventually do you need that profit? If corporations are people, which yes. legally in some places they are, yes. they're people who have been built without a conscience. They cannot feel no, guilt or pleasure or anything. All they can feel is profit. Bottom, bottom line. Yeah, that's all. That's the yeah. only measurable that they have. That's, that's the only axis true. of measurement that they have. So true. they behave like sociopaths. Yeah. They behave like completely immoral or amoral actors. Absolutely. And 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 I do believe that amoral always trends immoral. Trends yeah, downward. Yes, yes, it does. It's not easy to behave. No, well. that's true. That's true. If you're if your anonymity is rusted away by emotion and you don't have any of it anymore, I think you will be more ruthless and you're a, you're, a, you're a much bigger beast. I think one of the problems with that is that it became... Remember when we used to just have family businesses and people were, you know, just making money for their family or their community or their area? And then when corporations started, they obviously became big because they bought up all of those businesses and they had control over such a great market. But then they sold themselves to the public so that people could make a dividend and make profit out of that company doing well and doing big things and I think that's exactly the point yeah. where they lost their emotions yes. because now they're, they've got an angry mob at the door ready to hurl rocks if they're not going to get 63 cents a dividend at the end of the year yes. and ask big questions of someone who's being paid up to 2 or $3 million a year to make sure that they get 60 or 70 cents. Yeah, and, and that uh, big... the slightly slow cousin who can use the photocopying machine <laughs> yeah. but not do much more. Absolutely. He's going to get the boot. He really He's is. He's not part of your responsibility no. anymore. No, and which is going to give every shareholder another cent, right? Yeah. So, good, let's find another one of those photocopy operators and get rid of them too so that we can bolster this up. And I think that we've lost that, you know, that passion. I don't think people that work for those corporations that are trying to get the 63 cents, I don't think they have the passion for the corporation they would if you were helping a family, you know, and then that instead of a dividend being paid the workers were likely to get a Christmas bonus because the family had done well and they felt yeah. that their workers were part of their family or they're in a community, so they, sh- they share all of the benefit of the business going well with those people. Yeah, I think this is one of the um, 
I'm going to go with quite an extreme <laughs> example here, but uh, slavery. Sure. I think it's better if you have slaves to keep them in your home with you. Yes. We still have slaves. Yes. We just keep them in different countries. Yes, absolutely. So we don't have to look at them. We don't have to know about it. If we can you... be ignorant to it if you want to be. Exactly. And, and, and uh, if you are not looking at them, you can't see how badly they're being treated. Absolutely. And if you're a human person with a human person in your house that you allegedly own, yes. you're still not going to be able to treat them beyond a certain amount of bad no. because they can stab you in the night. And you still have emotions, And right? you still have to look at them. Yes. And, and that's what we've taken away. No one has to look at anyone anymore. That's quite true. That is quite true. And I, and I think the problem is with us chasing more of those profits, the big companies without their emotions simply shop for the cheapest possible thing without looking further behind the price tag yes. to find out how you're doing it this cheap. In fact, deliberately not looking too Indeed. far behind because that's not part of their... No. Just, well, in technical terms, they are just purchasing things. Yes. They, don't, they don't have a, a human rights obligation to make sure that everybody's been treated well up to this point. Yes. But I think perhaps they should. Yes. You know? I think perhaps that should be a rule in, in, in industry and in corporation and company that you do have to source everything back and make sure that it does work the right way. Obviously, there are small companies that are, that are doing that. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting the kibosh on the whole world here, but I, <laughs> I think that we've... If we all push for that to happen, I think it can happen, but I think you're right, and people have this ignorance to go, I don't I just, but I got the shirt for five bucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's cheap. <laughs> you can't make the cotton for five dollars, let yes. alone fashion it into a garment, and then put it in a shop and then make a profit from it seems ridiculous. When I was in America, I didn't eat meat. I was there for a whole year. I didn't right. eat meat at all. I think you'd be lucky to find meat, like I actual meat I saw in food ink before I left, and I was like, I'm not going to eat meat. But also, I walked into a supermarket in like the first week I was there and yes. saw a chicken right. for two dollars. Yeah, you see, that's, uh, a, that's very cheap. A chicken. Someone had to package that. Yeah, so someone had to package it. Yeah. It's a life from cradle to uh -huh. grave. Yeah, sure. And it wasn't, it didn't just jump into the fridge. So there's all these Absolutely. steps. It's funny that, it's funny we talk about this angle because adversely there is a whole other side to that mm. consumerism where there is actually a bunch of people being quite heavily ripped off. Like I grew up on, on a sheep station, right, on the, on the land and we had super fine wool sheep and we had Angus cattle and we would sell our stock at market for butchery and for meat supply and that sort of thing. Back in those days, and these are pretty rough figures, let's say the you know, late 80s, early 90s, we might get $6 for an entire sheep. Now, once you dress that down and put it into the butcher shop or onto the shelf in a supermarket, that becomes something that's worth about $14 or $15 a kilo. Yeah. And the meat that you get off one of them is probably in the vicinity of 10 or 12 kilos. So you've been paid $60 for something that they're going to make $160 out of. And yeah. the farmer is the one that's put all this work into the sheep. They've kept it alive for the year. They've had to inoculate it. They've had to drench it to keep it up to environmental, you know, you know make sure it's all safe for people to eat and all of those things that go in, involved in it. And these big companies just throw tiny little bits of money and go, yeah, we'll just have, we'll just have all of that yeah. and punch it out at a premium price. Yeah. So it's weird then that they'll also do the opposite of that and, and, and harm people by taking really cheap stuff from cheap sources where people aren't being treated properly and looked after the right way. We've got this double thing going on where it's maximum profit for them. Like, um, absolutely. It's, it's like uh, partners in law firms where they're squeezing the client to give them work. They're frightening mm -hmm. the client to, to give them work that they may not necessarily need. Absolutely. And then they're just wringing that work out of people who are yeah, already sure. overworked. And, and I mean, it's stupid. It sounds stupid to say that lawyers are underpaid. Right. But if you look at a graduate lawyer... I bet they are. 
per hour, we did the calculations, me and a friend of mine from Minters. Yeah. For the work that we did in our graduate year, we made less than retail wage per hour. Isn't that obscene? And we were making, you know... And yet you would have been being charged out at probably five or seven times the rate that you're being paid. out per hour at one-third more than I got paid in a week. Right, right. And you probably didn't need that much supervision oh, sorry, whilst I, you were yeah, working, did yeah, you? No. Like, there wasn't three other people watching over you to make sure that you did oh, that I was job a properly. Oh, bad lawyer. <laughs> but that's not the point. The case yes. is that they're just taking that money because that's the, that's the rate whether they put an experienced lawyer, a brand new lawyer or even a clerk on to do the work, right? They're yes. charging it out at any rate. Yes. Right. Yeah, you see, I'm glad I don't need any lawyers. <laughs> it was, a, it was a, yeah, it's more than it, and it would depend what I was doing. It, more normally, it was a per day. I got right. per day slightly less than I was charged out at per hour. And simply so that the firm makes a massive profit at the end of the year. Yes. Right. And then that's you know that's not great. No. Then none, and also none of the partners are happy. Right. So you're not making anyone happy by making this money either. No. Isn't it a bizarre twist where you think, oh, they must be stoked, they must be really loving life. So, no. They're really stressed, they're competitive with one another, they're all trying to stab one another in the back because right. the fewer of them there are, the more profit each makes. That's how partnership works. Have they thought about just trying not to make so much profit and relaxing and having a good time with law? Because I imagine you become a lawyer because you want to help people with legal issues, right? Uh, yeah, no. That's no. not... No, no. That's why I'm not a lawyer. I've met a few mature-age students who came in from... Usually from police work and okay. decided that's what they wanted to do. And focus on law? I'd say the vast majority of people who go into the law in corporate law firms. Yes. Okay, so put aside criminal lawyers sure. and small family businesses. Uh-huh. They go in because they got the marks. Yep. It's prestigious. Uh-huh. Uh, and their parents told them that it would be a good idea. Right. It's, wow. It's a railroad. There's not a lot of free choice in there. No, not a lot. <laughs> no. No wonder people aren't happy. No, and they get there and then they realise that what they're doing is not glamorous or interesting right. necessarily, at least not until you've been doing it for five or ten years. Are those people happy? No. No. They're not happy because once you get to from graduate to associate or senior associate, yeah. the partners have a massive incentive to string you along at a lower... Right. A lower bracket. They don't want to bring you into the partnership, so they want to wring every cent of work and out of you. How common is it for lawyers to just burn out in that phase? Incredibly common, right? Because it's a it's a pyramid. Uh-huh. You want as few partners squeezing as many people below as possible. Yeah. So they want to get as much work out of people, and they don't want you to win. Really? No, because they don't. They <laughs> want. <laughs> they want at least two thirds of people to shed off and right. they don't care how that happens they don't care if you're a broken man when you leave okay wow that's crippling isn't it it's crippling and, and they ruin people and where do your corporate burnt out lawyers end up like not uh, in a paddock comedy. in a pile <laughs> comedy <laughs> uh, they end up in public service they end right. up in doing their own businesses they yep. do they kind of shed off or, but the, the terrible thing about it is that that's not presented as an honourable Exit. No. And these are people that have That's done presented years as of failure. high-end study, right, to get to yeah, that point. Yeah, it's not, it's not presented as a good thing to do. Or, and I wouldn't mind it if it were. Right. They deliberately bring in really bright, really interesting people yeah. and ruin them. Wow. Because they need to ruin them to get them out. Of course, right. They need, they need a natural attrition rate, otherwise they've got too many lawyers. But to keep them in in the first place, they have to pretend wow. that going out is a failure. So oh, when gee. you leave... You you're f- broken. You're convinced that you're a failure because yeah. they've set you, you up to believe it. that. You're not tough oh, enough. Oh, gee. 
That's hurtful. You're not you're, partner material. Are you all right? Yeah, come see my show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not all right. That is the least of my problems. But um, that was one of the things that I found so pathological about it. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. There was no sense of honourable exit. That's incredible. And these, and you're talking about working like 10, 12-hour days too, aren't you? For yeah. A, for a company that's paying you a set a set wage. You don't get yes. any more if you work hard on The a... contract says from time to time you will be expected right. in the course of your work to right. work weekends and longer hours. Yeah. Uh, See, I don't, there's a lot of that that goes on, you know, in lots of different fields. I, I lived with many chefs in my time, in my share house days. A lot of my mates were chefs. It's impossible to survive as a chef unless oh, you're man. on drugs, the, isn't You know, it? it were really hard. Like, they were f- not forced to, but these are, you know, when you're a great chef and you want to work in a good restaurant and they go, these are our conditions, you take them because it's yeah. either that or you're back to flipping something in a cafe, right? Yeah. So, and the options are limited. There's a lot of chefs trying to get the spots. They'd have to work, you know, five days of split shifts, of, you know, maybe six or seven hours a shift. They'd, you know, start really early, have a break in the afternoon, have to come back at night time. They'd be told that, you know, the yearly wage, let's say they said, uh, we'll give you 80 grand to be an executive chef in our kitchen. You're like, wow, that's great. And people that didn't know would think, oh, 80 grand, that's not bad. You know, you're doing a 40-hour week. You're not doing a 40-hour week. They expect you to do a 60-hour week. They don't necessarily write that in the contract because that's not legal. But they tell you that they're the hours you're going to have to work if you want this job. Then on top of that, whenever they think, we need you more, you just have to do it because you're guilted in to do it, saying, well, we can give this... And everyone else is agreeing to do it. We can give this 80 grand contract to someone else, if you like. Yes. Like, if, and if you don't want it, there's a, n- a whole bunch of people at the door, <laughs> just like shareholders. And because of the way they frame it, you betray yourself and everyone around you. Absolutely. Because anyone who says yes to that is saying yes to that for everyone who comes you're, after them. You're absolutely right. And the other problem is that, just like you're talking about with lawyers, if they fail as the head chef or the executive chef in that restaurant and they are pushed out... That is a big failure. They can't yeah. go and promote themselves as having been yeah. the head chef or executive chef at a fancy restaurant, and I did really great. That industry buzz goes around everywhere. Do you hear about the chef from there? Yeah, couldn't, couldn't hack, hack it. it. Couldn't right? hack it. That's the most. Yeah, it's like, what? Couldn't hack it. Didn't want to be slave-driven in a kitchen for 60 to 70 hours a week for yeah. a 40-hour-a-week wage. You know, yeah. it's, in, it's quite amazing. But Making the, art that exists for an hour at most. Yeah. Which is what we do, I guess. Comedy's a really good example too. Like I've been, I've been in comedy since '98, yeah. and the club rate really hasn't gone up, yeah, in that time at all. Like yeah. that would amaze some people, but in the last 17 years, there may have been a 20 or 30 dollar a gig rise in rates, yeah, total. Which it's just beyond comprehension. Like you know, petrol's almost three times the amount it was when I started, yeah. but you don't get any. There's yeah. no extra wage, so you've got to find more gigs and do more stuff. Because again, if you don't want it oh, there's heaps of other people that will take it at that rate because people before them have taken it at that rate. And you, yeah, you're stuck in this vicious cycle of people going, well, we'll do it. We'll I do have it. an idea for a, not even a business, just a thing on the internet that tells you how much you should get paid. Oh, yeah, right. What's, because, what's my time worth? Yeah, what's my time worth? Yeah, right. Uh, and then that way everyone knows. And that way, like, particularly comedians, I, was, I had a friend, and I won't say his name because he was very young, naive up-and-comer, yep. making a big splash, running right. some rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was approached by a large company uh-huh. who offered him a corporate thing. Right. Like a big corporate thing. Yep. Like a, a... Specifically, it was like something that would be recorded and reused in, okay. a, in a way. Yeah, great. Uh, and he said, all right, I'll get my guys, obviously, from my rooms. Mm-hmm. How about $100 a set? Yeah. And I said... 
<laughs> That's how much they pay for olives. Yeah. For lunchtime. Yeah, absolutely. This is, yeah, absolutely. This is not... No, that's quite right. And it's you're really excited about getting this work, mm. so you feel like you can do this. And True. But if you do this, that is a, that's a rock you just dropped in a pool of everybody in this country. Absolutely. And nobody else will know that you betrayed them. It's not going to be helping anyone. But five years from now, you'll look back at this and think... Oh, that was I, me. I just... I ruined the olives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was me. And I, You're quite right. There's a thing where in comedy it's really interesting because we have a rate for, for club rooms and you get paid a certain amount for headlining or emceeing or doing the support spots or, or short spots at the start. And then everybody also has a corporate rate. And I've explained this to other people and told them how much you get in the club and told them what the corporate rate is. And the corporate rate is much higher, right? Yes. People go, oh, that seems unfair. You'll do it in the club for that much. And these are people booking Oh, you're doing it in the club for that much. I know that's what they get in the clubs. Why don't you do that here? You're like, actually, no, because when I do a club, I just turn up to the club and do the gig. The people yes. that book the room, run the night in a proper comedy venue where people have come specifically because they've come to see comedy, yeah. pay me to do a spot. When you bring that show to a corporate area, yeah. you're, getting, you're getting the product to come to you. Yes. That comes at a cost, you know, yes. and, it's, and it's not like we have to get trucks to transport it or do any of that stuff, but it comes with a cost. Anything that you want specifically to come to you comes with an extra premium, right? You've then got to perform in front of a whole bunch of people that didn't want to come and see you perform. No, they didn't even interested. want to go to a comedy show. They're at a completely different event and now comedy's going to be on. Yes. So that makes the job harder, which is a... Again, percentage of increase in your fee. Yeah. And, and then you explain that to a few people and they go, oh, yeah, right, well, we can't afford it. <laughs> <You don't, "Aah!" laughs> Other people understand that and go, yes, we, well, that's exactly what we want. Yes. We want you to come to our place and do some comedy. And if you could throw in some comedy about our particular business, that'd be great. You yes. can do some research and some specific writing. Boom, we'll pay you that money. Oh, I, I like corporate gigs because I know what it feels like to be there yeah. and so I feel like I can give them something yes. but when you're there and you're working in this corporation and the comedy is coming to you it's like it's really hard yeah. to relax and enjoy it because mm -hmm. your colleagues are around you they're judging you for what you laugh absolutely. at absolutely yeah it's stifled and then also you sort of resent this idea that the corporation is trying to keep you happy that's true. By doing something other than treating you well at yeah. work. You, could, you know, like... You've got to chip this money into our pay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this could be part of our pay. This could be... I could be working now and getting home an hour earlier. Yeah. You think I'd rather spend time with my colleagues than with my family? Absolutely. And you're forcing me to be here oh, and enjoy this? I've seen the name this. of morale. Come on, Alice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're morale. team building. Yeah, exactly. And it, I... If it was the 80s, you'd be dropping into the arms of your colleagues to make sure that they catch you. Yeah, God. Just, yeah, I think <laughs> I Climb the rope. It's good for morale. I resent corporate wellness initiatives for that very reason <laughs> yes. because I think if you're miserable, you should be get out miserable yeah. and then realise what's actually making you miserable and not put a band-aid on it. It is a bit of a, it is a bit of a circus trick, isn't it, to make you think, oh, I love this place. Yeah, we had a great time at the oh, footy. Ping pong on Fridays. <laughs> yeah. What? Casual shirts. Yeah. Ripper. Yeah. There's light beer in the fridge. You Do know. you mind staying behind a couple more hours? Oh, no problem. Yeah. yeah no problem, Alice. Yeah. Have a really good time. We don't have to wear suits <laughs> while we're working at one o'clock in the morning. I think that's really true. It's, uh, they gave us a gym membership at the law firm I was at, a gym membership. Yeah, right. Uh, free dinner if you stayed past 7.30pm. Yeah. Uh, that incentive and value add is not 
it's not quite what you need, is it, to be... No, they had my, my brother's wife's uh, place. Um, they used to have beds, little bunks downstairs. Oh, so you can have a nap, stay yeah, there. Yeah, just if you, if you happen to be there. Just uh, having a nod. Yeah, if you happen it's to quite amazing. Been... Why not just pay the actual wages for the actual time worked? And yeah. then people go, wow, I made all this extra money because my, my firm's busy. Or I worked heaps and I got paid for it. It would revolutionise the business model if you not just uh, charged lawyers by the hour but also paid them by the hour. Yeah, right. It would be a completely different business. Wow. There's an idea for you, if you're listening. If you're listening, take it. (laughs) I mean, it would be no good for any employer because they'd actually have to pay people what they were doing. Sure. But how happy would everyone be? Much happier. Yeah. Can you measure happiness in your financial end-of-year statement? I think you can. I think you should be able to. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I mean, Lols per annum. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Good. Well, that's—I mean—that's what you should measure in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I got into comedy to make people laugh and enjoy themselves and and have a good time. So now that I make money out of it, so I was talking to someone about this the other day, and you know, it started out as a as a fun thing to do and a bit of a hobby with the out, outlook of maybe it will you know go somewhere. What was your original work? What, what was my original work? Yeah. Oh, wow. Way back, I, I grew up on a farm. So I started, so you, you know, in agricultural man. jobs and, you know, shearing sheep and working on farms and then hospitality called and I, I did that for a while and then started acting and doing, you know, street theatre and all sorts of different stuff and then uh-huh. found comedy. So, and I've been, you know, doing this since 98, so I'm probably stuck here now. But it's, it started as a fun thing and, and now it's a business. Like, I, I run a small business and I'm yeah. GST registered and I have to fill out a heap of forms and communicate with the government and do all of this stuff. But there's also there's no benefit for me running a small business. that The government doesn't give me any incentives or any, you know, deductions. Or It's quite amazing. It is quite amazing when you're a sole trader, small business, there is absolutely no kickback at all, right? There's yeah. a, you know, there's big mining companies paying less tax in the dollar than I am, which just blows your mind. I clearly realise they're paying possibly billions of dollars to the government each year while I'm paying tens of thousands to the government each year. But it's still the, the percentage, Even right? So, you know, yeah. You know, there's 35 cents of all of my dollars is taken out for the tax office. You know, and there's again, big companies that are 16 cents. It's like, how can that be? Like, and you're a person and they yeah. are not a person. Yeah, absolutely right. I just, you know, and I get that. I get that it's volume and they've got such big numbers, but how can you justify taxing an individual person? And, and, and to be specific to me like I've got a family I've got two young children and they're taxing me at a higher rate than someone that's digging gold out of the ground I've my job relies on me doing my thing I'm not taking anything from the environment I'm not hurting anyone in fact I'm making people feel better the government should actually be giving me 10 cents extra in all of my dollars for (laughs) making people happy enough to stay in the shitty jobs that they've got for them right so it's a really weird it is a really weird thing and I think for me, I, do, I, I don't focus on any of that stuff. I recognise it and I dislike it, but if you focused on it, I'd stop doing what I'm doing. Like, if you know, if I, if I focused on the fact that 10 to 15 of the gigs that I do every year are simply for the government, oh... You'd <laughs> shit on those gigs, right? you get really cross, right? <laughs> this, is, this is my government gig. Yeah. You're not getting any good jokes. Don't judge me. This is for the government. <laughs> you should do that at the beginning of a show. Just designate the show. This one's bad. for the government. So, you know, I find, I find those things irritating, but... On mass, we're not going to change it because there's not there's not millions of people in my situation. So we can't form a massive group or an action or, you know, we can't really get angry in mass about it. Whereas, you know, those companies that are getting taxed much less, they've got lots of employees, the government's concerned about keeping people, you know, safe and well so that they don't have to pay any money. So mm. these big companies get big discounts and big benefits. And I think, you know, if they're doing great, 
maybe we should all be doing great. Maybe we should all be enjoying some of that profit. You know, instead of the bank posting $35 billion worth of profit in a quarter and us getting charged $2 every time we want to get our money out. It just seems cruel. Yeah. I, I, it's, that's interesting. I think, um, how do you feel about, like, a guaranteed minimum wage? I think that's a great idea. I think it's a fantastic idea because you're saying that time's worth money. At some point in history, our time became money. Mm. It, that's, that's what it is, right? You, it, it costs you to use someone for whatever service or purpose. It costs you, right? Yes. And so there should be a minimum on that. It should be said that, right, human beings are available for, you know, up to eight hours a day and the minimum eight-hour day pay should be this and the, and the minimum should be like half a day at four hours and it, this should be the minimum pay. Yes. No matter what you're getting them to do, whether you get them to write names on paper bags or to, you know, work in the service station behind the counter or help out at the dentist. If you're at the very bottom end of being employed, there should be an absolute minimum because you get trodden on at that end. I agree. You, get, you don't have the experience. When you're a new, a new job hunter and you've just come out of either, you know, let's say uni or higher education or even just high school... Yeah. You don't, have, you don't have lots of skills. The odds are you might not have had a job at all. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're lucky enough to be in a great family that was able to provide everything you needed while you were a student, you don't necessarily have the experience of doing anything apart from studying, living right? working, and studying. Yeah, being a person. So you go to try and get a job and they're like, oh, you don't have any experience. So, well, of course I don't have any experience. I've never worked before. So, you know, then they'll go, oh, we'll just, you know, dick you around a bit and pay you not very much and treat you badly until you move on and you can say that you've got some experience. And I think... That's stopping people from getting lots of experience and moving up What kind up of quickly. experience do you have? Mostly yeah. bad. Mostly yeah. bad experiences. Yeah. <laughs> Some scary. <laughs> <laughs> worrying, worrying learning experiences. Yeah, I think, there's, I think, you know, I wouldn't be adverse to a minimum. And I, I realise that lots of people go, oh, that's really unfair. We don't make enough money. So, well, maybe the people that are getting paid more need to work a bit harder. Yes. So that you don't rely on squashing people out of small incomes at the bottom end. You know, I just think we'd, we've got a bit of focus to get. Yeah, I, I don't know, to go back to the corporate gig thing, I, I think because comedy is like, is an exchange of pleasure, we get something out of doing comedy. Oh, absolutely. And they get something out of doing comedy. It's analogous, corporate versus club comedy is analogous to sex work. Yes. Yeah. Insofar as, like it might be something that you do for not very much money. Yes. Because you like sure. where you're doing okay. it or who you're doing yeah, it with. Yeah, I'm with you. But if you're doing it for like... A big businessman who's not particularly attractive and is not very good at giving you pleasure. Cash it up, thanks. Bella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be a thousand dollars up front. Thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely, that is a pretty good analogy. I was worried about where you're going with that, but that's all right. We've come out all right. <laughs> sex work positive. I had uh, this. Uh, actually, she's based in Brisbane. Sex worker. She's a Twitter famous okay. uh, sex worker. A yep. couple of months ago, and she was super interesting. Yeah, right. She's a feminist and astrologer. Good on One of those two things I expect. Wow. I respect. <laughs> it's not the astrology, is it? No, it's not the astrology. I'm I don't. doing all right here. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I've never felt like I needed that in my life. I like stars. Yeah. Uh, but I don't necessarily I don't need a believe big... in them doing anything. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Or uh, yeah, I don't believe. You don't, they, you don't think that they're guiding us in our lives before we even started doing I don't think I'm that important to them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Maybe that's just because I'm a Capricorn and therefore I don't particularly like no, or, or identify I with the... I think your theories are pretty sound. Yeah, you think they're pretty sound? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, why would the stars care enough about me to yeah. shape my world? Yeah. It's not... No, I don't think they've got time for that, to no. be honest. No, also I'd be a lot more similar to my twin than I am. 
which I'm not. There you go. That's a good point. We were only born five minutes apart. Well, you know, you, could, you might just have better stars at that time. Yeah, <laughs> well, but I mean, how does, it, how does it affect, like, if you are from your womb untimely ripped, for yes, example? Yes, sure. How, do you have the star sign of your projected birth date or your oh, actual birth gee, date? gee, conundrum. Yeah, I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. That is a conundrum. Yes. Oh, yeah, because it, that depends on whether the stars have any involvement in you being conceived or not. Yes, true. Again, right? I just, I think the stars... That would be too much admin for the yeah, stars look, to I'm be calling, doing. I'm calling bullshit on the stars. Like you look at the charts, they're quite complicated. They don't <laughs> think stars are that smart, you know? <laughs> and it's too many people to keep an eye on, really. Like, isn't someone born every three seconds or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. there are more stars than there are people. Oh, so maybe well, they maybe. form gangs. Could a star each. <laughs> Work gangs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I call bogus on the stars. I'm with you. Good. Do you yeah. have any uh, religious beliefs, or were you brought up no, sheep I was, atheist? I was no, I was brought up a really fortunate religion, which is Anglican. Ah. So you know, you get to learn about it with just a bit of a toe in the water in case all hell breaks loose. You yeah, get a, just no, we in were, case. We were with you. We just weren't fully involved. Yeah. Uh, so no, I studied. I studied religion at school, and I read the Bible, and I did all of that stuff. And I don't know. I, re- I, I suppose I was probably about fourteen or fifteen when I went. Now, come on. Does anyone think this is a bit sort of far fetched? a bit hard to get your head around and I suppose that's the time when I finished studying the Bible and you know going to actual extracurriculum Bible studies and reading into it and also and, conveniently and the time it. at which your hormones kick in yeah totally ah angry god no uh made my decision fairly calmly sin's a uh, really bad idea until your hormones start kicking yeah, in. You're like, oh yeah I can I see why sin would be bad I, have I don't want to do anything wrong I never want to oh yeah. I'm having bad thoughts yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so and then you know even my 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 parents weren't overly religious. My mum was Catholic. My dad was Anglican. And my dad, though, always used to say, you know, you need to pray or believe in God. And it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I finally said to Dad, really, really? Do you really believe in God? And he mumbled, going, oh, no, no, really. <laughs> so, and I went, oh, case. even Dad's given in. All right, this is all right. I'm fairly firm with my, with my ideas. And don't get me wrong, I think religion's great. I think yeah. religion's a good thing. Yeah. Not necessarily all of them, but I think... Religion does provide some good stuff, especially community support and shelter and, you know, all a of those... A sense of belonging. Sure, all of those sorts of things. But there I are also, a lot of really weird people that if they didn't have a church would be very isolated yeah, and alone. absolutely. And having principles, non-financial principles of welcome yeah, and, and yeah. kind of putting up with other people is a good thing. Definitely. But then there are some things with religion that I really don't like. I, I lived on the Sunshine Coast in, in Queensland for quite a while and it's a it's a... I don't want to say Bible Belty area, but it's it's full of religious splinter groups, and, uh-huh. and you know, like uh, city church and the specific high, little culty high life things, churches. Yeah. And you know, for example, there's a, a car yard owner there who's done really well and has a bunch of franchise car yards on the coast who built his own church and just became the pastor of that church, and people joined oh, like his King congregation. Henry. And yeah, but the, the fact that you can do that seems weird to me. Right? And, then, and then anybody that signs up has to give you 10% of their wages. And it's like, yeah. what, what are we doing here? And what, buy cars from your car. And yard. buy cars from my car. You're like, what is that? Like, why? why? Like, and I understand people go there and they're really happy and they've got this nice community and they've all got a sense of commitment and they're all putting in 10% of their wages and the church does nice things for them. But really, there seems to be a lot of people making money out of that for providing something that we should be able to provide each other anyway. Like, yeah. we should be able to support each other without having to join a, a, a massive church. Like, you know, community interest groups might be able to get more money if money went to that direction rather than 
you know, oh, we're building an annex on the church, the Christmas party's going to be massive. I just, you know, I think those little bits and pieces of what we're doing are quite weird with religion. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, there's much bigger things with religion. And I don't, I don't like how religions fight with each other. I think that's just, what are you doing? What's going on there? You know, if you don't, if you don't like other people's religion, just, just hone in on yours. Just enjoy your one, right? Yeah, I'm always interested when somebody has a cause. Yeah. Why it's... Like, because religions are huge. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. just the text itself is huge. Yeah. If you're going by any any religion, the text True. is huge. Yeah. So anyone who has a cause within that, uh-huh. it's still... The, the, the reason when you ask them what the, why that cause can't just be God said so. Because no. God said a whole bunch of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. So it comes down to your personal decision that part of your Christianity is hating Muslims. Yeah. Like, because there's a lot of other stuff that you could be oh, concentrating yeah. on. Sure. Domestic violence, uh, immigration, yeah. harm to people, humanity. Yeah, all of these know. things. There's enough in any religion that you can spend a full-time job's worth of energy yeah. doing whatever, washing the feet of beggars. Absolutely. You could do that instead of standing outside an abortion clinic. Of course. Why is this your cause? Why? And it's always a gut thing. And it amazes me that those people, and I think that's a great example, people that pick at something that doesn't fit in with their religion, they've made a choice yes. to follow that religion. Yes. Let other people make a choice to do their things without yeah. you hassling them. Like, I'm not going to come around to your house on Sunday morning and hassle you about getting dressed and getting ready for church. Yes. I'm not going to do that. Yes. But those people will hassle you for not going to church yes. or for walking past in last night's clothes, right? They'll, and I just think that, you know, if you've, if you've made a choice and you really respect your choice, stick with that and shush about it. Yes. Yeah. Just, just, just talk to anyone that asks you and that'll do. Well, I have a couple of very good Christian friends. One, Andrew Judd, I've had him on the podcast, and Jared McKenna, who does the First Home right. Project uh, and Love, make, Love Makes a Way. Uh, so he does... Uh, non-violent protests uh-huh. against ref- children, refugee children right. being in detention. Good, good on him. That's his thing. That's his Great. full-time thing. That is how he does being a Christian. Right. Well, that's worthy. And he says why that it's because he's Christian, and that's his like uh-huh. evangelical side covered. He's like people are like, why are you doing that? And he's like, well, because I believe this. Yeah. And that's it. It's also a good moral. It's a great moral. Yeah. And if that was what people were doing with their religion, sure. that would be amazing. And you absolutely know, respect your parents or look after your family. All of those things yeah. are part of most major religions, but people <coughs> don't. Pardon me. Choose I, that. I think religion, <clears throat> in a nutshell, could be just common sense. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. Common courtesy. Yes. You know, and consideration. Yes. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry. I think that we've lost that element of it. I think that you know it's become about God's us and choking them. God's you for. God, yeah. <coughs> Jesus. Uh, I think it's become about us and them a lot with a lot of religions and about you know those people are eroding our religion and our religion's not growing because that religion's growing and I think that's how religion started. I mean, it was a competition. You know, it was a competition to get more people on the board and you know we in the in the past. Uh, different religions would travel to faraway places just to recruit more people, just so that there was more people on board with their idea. And they're, you know, why can't we just think, well, why don't we all have the same idea and all just be nice to each other? Yes. And just, let's forget all of the things that happened in the past. We can't make them right. Yes. We can't, there's nothing you can do that can make those things right. Yeah. Let's not make the mistakes again, because I think we kind of are. I think yeah. we're still making those same, the same mistakes that religions have made in the past of, you know, land grabbing and fighting about your rules and these rules and those rules and 
let's just all be nice about it, right? Let's all just all be equal and have a good time about it and not worry about having to go and defend your religion in front of other religions. Yes. You know. I th- well, it, surely like, it ought to speak for itself. I know it's kind of itself. idyllic, but why not? Surely, you know? yeah, if it's a good religion, it ought to speak for itself. For sure. And, and you're quite right. I mean, imagine if there was a church that started tomorrow and all they ever did was, you know, fight for human rights and fight for dignity and equality and those sorts of things. I reckon you have people knocking on your door. Yes. Like, oh, we'd like to sign up, thanks. We, we really like your policies. Yes. What do I have to do? I'll and, just be good to other people. And, well, great. Stamp me in. And by the way, could one of you run for Prime Minister? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. I just, you know, I know that I do realise that that's just not going to happen. And, it, and it'd be No, because be people are petty place. and venal and easily corrupted. Sure. But what a great outcome that would be if we just went, oh, we're just going to do everything that's good for everyone. Oh, yeah, well, we'll do that. Yeah. Oh, I'm on board. And, of course, there'll be some people going, ah, oh, fuck it, I don't like other people. But mass of people would be on the same page rather than masses of people being against other masses of people because they're on a slightly Just, different page. It doesn't even need to be let's be nice to everyone. The basically one fundamental element of our new religion is other people are people. Yeah, there you go. That's they're, they're, all you have to acknowledge. not corporations. Yeah. Just other people are people. Yeah. So when you do stuff, consider that they're people. That's all. That's the basic... That's very true. Everything else goes from there, right? Well, what happened to that do unto others as you'd have done unto yourself? What happened to just going by that one? That was a good one they could have focused on. I think that uh, came up, up up against a block when they got to kinky people. <laughs> I'd love it if someone came up with a flogger in the middle of... <laughs> yeah, good call. <laughs> right. Oh, the kinky ruined that. Yeah. Oh, well. anyway. They ruin everything. You know, they ruin great ideas. Children's... Clown parties, <laughs> everything. Bus rides. Yep, yep. Bus rides. Gosh, I had a guy. Oh, I, he probably listens to the podcast. Who showed up at the airport in Perth as yes. I was leaving uh, because he'd seen my show. Right. And Just he, to say goodbye. Well, he Have said, nice "Would life. you like to get a coffee?" And I said, "Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I leave at eight fifty tomorrow." And so he came to the airport. At eight fifty. Yes, but. I hadn't met him other than right. sort of he'd seen my show and, okay. and I shake everyone's hand as they leave my show. Yeah, you moved him. But I moved him to the airport, right? <laughs> yes. I was kind of, wow, that was intense. Yeah, definitely. But I think. So what did he say when he got to the airport? Hi. Hi. See ya. Yeah, I was. I, the the plane was boarding when he got there. Wow. Um, wow, we. But we just sort of made conversation. Okay. A little awkward. Little, well, I mean. I'm, I have to say I was glad it was a public place. Was he your age? I don't even know. I don't know anything right. about him oh, other than enough. this kind of no five question. minutes of conversation. So he'd known me wow. for, I guess, an hour Yeah. and five minutes. And I'd known him for five minutes because... That's incredible. I was on stage yeah, when, I, when he was hand. getting to know yeah. me. Uh, so it was a very intense thing. Sheesh. I'm kind of glad you didn't go for the coffee. <laughs> well, he's asked me if I'd like to go for coffee in Adelaide. Right. Uh, and he'll so he, fly over if I say yes. I was about to say, he wasn't behind you on the plane, No, was no, but he said, he said if, I, if I say yes to coffee, then he'll come to Adelaide. Wow. You coffee. can get coffee in Perth, though, can't you? Yes, but I... Yes, he can just, he have, can a just have a coffee there. We could Skype, just, maybe. Yeah, just text a little while you have a coffee and I'll have a coffee. I just don't... I think it's... I just don't... That's quite... That's interesting. Like, if I were... It's thus smitten with sure. interest for somebody. I don't know if it's romantic interest or if he's just like, you're a cool person. Oh. 
I would pretend to be in town for work. Yes. You know, I'd be like, oh, well, I know that. Per-, you know, yeah. I'd have the, the um, Not EQ I'm coming to lie about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm coming specifically to stalk you if you want me to. Yeah. No, thanks. Well, I'm, I'm not in Adelaide anymore. I mean, my most... My one major stalker that I've had in the last couple of years died in a motorcycle accident. Oh, that's sad. Um, so I'm, I may use that as a threat. <laughs> hey, listen... I didn't have anything to do with it, but stalkers that stalk me do not go There's well. There's not a good correlation a, here. I, don't know, just, I think I was born when the stars are in the right alignment. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn. My like stalkers die. Anti-stalker star. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if he qualifies as a stalker. Perhaps, I just don't know enough about him. Perhaps try my twin. <laughs> yeah, try my twin. He's probably exactly the same. <laughs> Um, we should probably uh, wrap up. Well, You've got for your me along. show. Thank you for ha- uh, coming. I'm oh, very pleased. Pleasure. It's you were very nice. easy to organise. But you were oh, like, okay. yes, tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, there we are. Props to you. What's your show called? It's called Next Level this year. And how long is it on for? It's on for the rest of this week, Tuesday through Saturday. So it finishes Saturday the 7th. That this will come out right. on Wednesday. Great. So, so you've got uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to come and see it. Come and see it. Uh, Rhino Room, 8.45, Frome Street, Adelaide. If you do come off the back of the podcast, tell Lindsay so that he feels good about yeah. coming on my come podcast. Come and say hello, but don't stalk me. Please don't follow me at the airport. Follow him on Twitter. <laughs> yes. He's Lynn's Web on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be heaps cool. That'd be, that's totally can, fine. That's can an acceptable... tweet coffees at each other, it's fine. That's, that's so okay. All right, thank you very much. Pleasure, Alice, thank tea you. with Alice.